first thing a child learns about the map of Europe is Italy looks like a boot and Sicily looks like a football. And most of us who love Italy love the uh, center in the north of Italy, and the south of Italy is quite a mystery. Today I want to talk about the boot of Italy. Deep down in the south, Puglia, Basilicata, Calabria, and then we'll jump over the straits and check out Sicily. I'm joined by two southern Italians, Alfio Di Moro and Tommaso Pante. Alfio and Tommaso, thanks for joining us. Yes, sure, our pleasure. Now, when I say Southern Italians, I think you both live in Sicily, don't you? Yes. Yes. Is it okay for me to call you Southern Italians, or do you want to be called Sicilians? Sicilians. Well, Sicilianity is very important for us. Your Sicilianity? Yes. Is that a word? This is a new word, yeah. Sicilianity. The Sicilianity <laughs> in this room is quite exciting right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we're going to talk about everything south of Naples, basically, and as tour guides, you know the south of Italy. If we think of uh, the southern part of Italy, there's three regions there, uh, Puglia, Basilicata, and Calabria. Calabria. If it's a boot, if you're thinking of a boot with the toe nearest to uh, Sicily, you know, the heel would be Puglia, the instep would be Basilicata, and the toe would be Calabria. That's right. Now, how would you compare and contrast these three regions in southern Italy, Alfio? They're pretty much all similar. The only distinction I will make is that Basilicata doesn't really have a long coastline. Ah, okay, yep. so it, it has never been really accessible as the other two regions. So have more been. remote then? Yes, more remote. Tommaso, how would you compare the different regions, uh, Puglia, Basilicata, Calabria? The mentality is different of the three different regions. And how's that? I would say Puglia is much more evoluted. Huh? Evolved. Yes. Evolved, yes. Okay. For example, Bari is considered the Milan of the South, because all the economical activity are located okay, in Bari. So the people in Puglia are more sophisticated. I and, would say And yes. Bari is the cosmopolitan capital of Puglia. Of Puglia, of the southern part of Italy. B-A-R-I. Yes. And yes. that's a port town. A lot of us know Brindisi because that's where the boat goes to yeah. Greece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just north of Brindisi it is, is, is north Bari. North. Okay, so the Puglia people are more sophisticated than Basilicata and Calabria? Basilicata, I would say they are uh, evolving. I mean, uh, I would put Basilicata in the middle, uh-huh. and then Calabria is uh, on the rear. So that's the Wild West. <laughs> exactly. The wild that's west. the Wild yeah. West, yes. <laughs> now, these areas are generally, Italy is quite densely populated. Uh, what, 60, 70 million people in Italy, the size of California, but less than 1 million people in Basilicata, for instance. So uh, not so many people down there? Yeah, yeah. In Basilicata, no. Sparsely populated. Yeah. From a traveler's point of view, if the history is poor, the sightseeing today is humble. There's no great churches, great memorials, great monuments there because they didn't have a lot of money in the past. Is that a fair generalization? Uh, yes, I would say yes. Um, I mean, this was one of the poorest area of Italy in general. So they didn't have a lot of money, a lot of immigration. Also, we had a lot of immigrants which emigrated, especially from Calabria and Basilicata, to the United States, Australia. Very good point. A lot of Americans think about the old country, and they think about the region of the old country from where they came as quintessential to the old country. But really, they came from the most wretched part of the old country because it made the most sense to get the heck out. Yeah. Yes. So you've got certain parts of Ireland or Sweden or or Italy. That becomes the American image of Italy in this case. But really, it's the American image of Calabria. Yeah. And you know what happened? Most of the people left from very small town and, you know, a couple of generations just were gone. So only the older people remained there. And after they died, lots of villages became ghost villages. So you have ghost villages. Yes, in Calabria and Sicily, you can find lots of ghost villages because of that. 
How many Americans are with a Sicilian uh, ancestry? You know, 1880s, 1920s, things were so bad in Sicily right after unification, and especially in the verge of World War I, uh, that a lot of people left. Now, after so many years, we have 18 million Sicilian Americans in the U.S. We have only 5 million Sicilians in Sicily. So the, the ancestors of the people who left Sicily are in the United States now to the tune of 18 million people. Yes. And if I can spend a word about the people that left, if you think for a second, poor condition, uh, no education, the people who left the country were the best people, were the people that didn't want to settle for a poor life. The people with the people, strong spirit. Yeah, left. strong spirit. You know, because just imagine, Rick, to put everything you own in a little suitcase, pay a lot of money that you sometimes don't have, and do one on a lifetime journey on a steamboat. And end up in New York, a end very up in rough New York, and tumble city with no being money. Being sometimes in quarantine. Lots of people, they didn't maintain the connection, the contact with the family in Sicily, because guess what? It was too painful. Family is one of our heritage. We are so close together. And being in a new world without any member of the family was something so painful. A lot of people prefer not to write letters because it was killing them. Now, what characterizes the cuisine in the, in the Deep South there? The cuisine of the Deep South, actually, it is more healthy, okay, versus the cuisine of the North because that is actually the quintessential Mediterranean diet. That means a lot of carbohydrates, fibers, fat coming from olive oil, not from animal, and uh, fresh vegetables. So it used to be poor, but now actually it is credited to be the more efficient. Because lifestyles are growing more healthy, and here you got uh, the, the fruit of the land, direct. Yeah, exactly. Not Tomaso. only the food of the land, also the food from the ocean. We must not forget the fish. Fish is one of the most important kind of food that you can find in the southern part of Italy. Swordfish and tuna fish is one of the main courses that we have in our table. You can find every single day fish. Now, when we think about southern Italy, I think we've got to remember a lot of Americans complain about the prices. You know, Florence and Venice and Milan and Rome are so expensive. What are the prices like in southern Italy, uh, Elfio? It, it is still very reasonable there. Okay. Would it be less expensive than Milano? Definitely less expensive than the north of Italy or the very big cities. Tommaso? Yes, I agree with that, especially if you go in a good restaurant, you never pay more than 15 or 20 euros with an excellent bottle of wine, red or white wine. If you go in the northern part of Italy, probably you spend the double. So in terms of quality, I would say the quality of the food in south of Italy is excellent, at the price, as much, much inexpensive. You get a meal with a bottle of wine? Uh, yes, I mean, an antipasto, un primo piatto, un secondo, and a bottle of wine, 20 euros. Get away from the historical center a little bit. Try to go to a small trattoria, a local trattoria, where the local people go. Okay. So you could have a simple uh, rural country and small towns and still have people that appreciate the good cuisine and have restaurants that serve it at the local price standards. Yes. 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 For example, a great option is to go to the Agriturismo farmhouse. Oh, yes. You find a lot of farmhouse and Agriturismo in all these three regions, the four regions we're talking about. Now, when I think of southern Italy, I think the most famous icon visually for a tourist is the Trullo houses. Explain these to me, Tommaso. So, Trullo houses is one of the oldest house in Puglia region. 
the capital of the Trullo is Alberobello, which is a UNESCO World Heritage. So Alberobello. Yes. And there you've got more than a thousand of these whitewashed kind of teepee houses that yes. go back. How old is the architecture, actually? You can easily still find truly that they go up to the 1400, and sometimes they are older than that. So from Middle Ages, really? Yeah, but there's a little mystery around the truly because nobody really knows exactly from where this kind of architecture come from. Alfio, describe, so for people who don't know these things, a trullo house. It is easy to imagine a trullo as uh, the walls are cylindrical, and then on top of that you put a roof which is conical. A conical roof, okay. Yeah, it is easy to understand why. It is, this uh, truly were built without mortar, just so, with dry stone. If you can imagine, this is the only structure that can uh, sustain itself without mortar. So you've got limestone slabs stacked in a cylinder on the walls and then a cone on the top. Yeah, and then there's a keystone on the and very what, top. And it's topped with something of some religious or pagan yes, importance? Yes, and then there are there are keystone that uh, lots of representation symbols. Most of them are pagan, but mm-hmm. then with the time they became Christian. So singular true law, plural. Truly. Truly. Yeah, and if you want a bigger house, you just you put more units of this all together. And then the other big site that comes to mind in southern Italy is Matera. And we know that because of the vivid images from Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, which was filmed in Matera. Tommaso, tell us about Matera. Matera is a beautiful town, another UNESCO World Heritage. Uh, the Sassi of Matera was called in the past the shame of Italy because until 1956, 57, you know, the population lived in a very bad uh, condition. You said the Sassi of Matera. What is the Sassi? Stones. The stone what? Houses? Stones. No, I mean, these are a sort of caves. So because people lived in cave dwellings? In caves dwelling, yes, made with white limestone. And it was the shame of Italy because it was so poverty-stricken. Absolutely. So they, people living like animals in these animals. caves. Animals. They didn't have any sewage system, any running water. I mean, this was absolutely one area where the condition of life were really bad. So the government decided at a certain point to evacuate this population from this area, and they built the and new... And they sent the army there to do that. People didn't want to leave because they, they didn't know in what kind of condition they were living. So the army came in, flushed out the people. Yes. I would imagine the government gave them yeah. nice houses in Potenza or something like yes. this. Or Actually, they built the new district of Matera. The right there. Ah. So the, the government it made them a deal that, okay, you're going to be out of this poor district. We're going to give you a new house, but then we are going to be the owners of the old district. And today, uh, as a, from a tourist point of view, it's an interesting place to check out? Absolutely. It is a great place to Absolutely. check out. Absolutely. If you go by night, for example, it looks like a great nativity. You just imagine with your imagination to see Mary, Jesus Christ, and the donkey going through these little steps. This is the imagination and the figure that I have of Matera. And believe me, this with your imagination, just with a little bit of your imagination, you see all these donkeys coming down. It's really great. So it takes you right down to biblical times visually, and Mel Gibson saw that and thought, hey, let's make this a movie. This was a great choice for him. <laughs> Ma- Matera, M-A-T-E-R-A, in Basilicata. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking the boot of Italy, the deep south of Italy, with Alfio Di Moro, Tommaso Ponte, and your calls coming up momentarily as we travel through Italy and we head over to Sicily. Alfio, we're talking about the, the beautiful, almost biblical images of the town of Matera in Basilicata in the very far south of Italy, and the dramatic architecture and history comes with some unique cuisine. What's your insight on the cuisine of uh, this part of Italy? Matera is in Basilicata region, and we just said a few minutes before that Basilicata has a really short coastline, so it has always been isolated. 
Uh, that means not a lot of fish in their diet, but lots of meat. Okay. Mm. Back in the ancient times, the problem when you slaughter an animal is to preserve the meat. Is that right? Yeah. You know, back in the poor times, especially, an animal was so important for the family that once it was slaughtered, he had to last for as long as possible. So the people of that area they ended up inventing the what is today the salami. Ah. Okay, so they dice the meat, they dry it out, they put some spices that mm-hmm. have antibacterial activity, they put inside a, what was an intestine, and they... So you spice up the meat, shove it in an intestine, and it will help it keep longer. And then you yeah. dry... Uh, and the, you dry it. The, yeah, and then that will keep the meat for months. Now, would this be uh, like game? Is there still... Uh, no, 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 you do that with pork, essentially. Pork. Yes. Okay. Yes, and the, the region in, back in Roman times was called Lucania, and the first name for sausage is Lucanica, actually, because it comes really from there. And the spiciness goes back to the poverty times when they need to keep their meat forever, and it's spicy yes. today. What about horse meat? Are people eating horse meat down there? People are, they eat horse meat in the south. Uh, More than the north. In some region of the north as well. It's very popular, especially in the city of Catania. When you pass through the city of Catania, you see beautiful barbecues outside, and they're roasting horse meat. So you can stop there, you can have a plate, and they put the horse meat in your plate with beautiful... In Catania? Yes, in Catania, yes. do you enjoy horse meat? Uh, Well, I don't like it. What about the ear-shaped pasta? Orecchiette. Is that typical of the South or all over? That is typical of Puglia region. Puglia? Yeah, yeah. It is um, actually fun to make orecchiette. It's very easy. The only thing that you have to do is prepare the dough, and then with a little cylindrical shape, just make all of this round uh, thing. And then you, with your thumb, Ah, press it, and you obtain the orecchiette pasta. So the children probably enjoy helping mom with this. All right. It takes really few minutes to do that. Orecchiette and broccoli is the typical recipes that we have in this area. So they get the food simply by, you know, the land. What about garbanzo beans, tagliatelle, fava beans, chicory? Fava beans was a very poor kind of food in the past. Uh, Chickpeas, for example, is another kind of food which is very popular in the South. We eat a delicious soup of fava beans and chickpeas. Our mamas prepare every single day this delicious soup. So we always tell to our mama, Mama, voglio una zuppa di ceci. (laughs) Often they were mixed together with pasta. If you look at the proteins of fava beans or other legumes with the proteins of pasta, they are the same quality of the proteins of the meat. So it was called the meat of the poor. Okay. So meat of the poor would have been the fava. pasta with fagioli, with fava, pasta yeah. con le fave. That's the food of the poor. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Fava as fava. long as you mix with the pasta. Yeah, yeah. basically white beans with the pasta. With yes. the pasta, yes. Very nice. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking southern Italy with Alfio Di Mauro and Tommaso Pante. Our phone number. 877-333-7425. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Darlene's on the phone from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Darlene, thanks for your call. Thoughts for Alfio or Tommaso? Well, I just wanted to share, we had the opportunity in uh, June of 2009 to spend a month in southern Italy, and we did include 10 days for Puglia, And we were, well, we loved the whole trip, but I feel as if there are not very many American tourists um, heading to southern Italy, and Puglia in particular was just a fabulous um, 10-day vacation for ourselves with our young daughter. 
Now, that's a, a, a rustic countryside, and I would imagine a little bit of a language barrier compared to Rome or Florence. How did you function with the language challenges? I speak a little Italian, and I will tell you that um, we did go the entire 10 days rarely speaking any English. My husband speaks no Italian, and he got by fine. Just as long as you carry your dictionary or your phrase book with you, and um, folks are more than willing to um, help out whenever they can. And sign language works great. So we, we really didn't have a problem with the language. And it, it actually, it made it nice. I mean, it felt like we were really in Italy because everyone was speaking Italian all the time. And it's almost like Italians have had to deal with this in the past. People coming into their land that don't speak their language and they're clever at communicating. You can manage, can't you? Absolutely. It was not difficult. The other point I think isn't made often enough, um, particularly with Americans, are the beautiful, beautiful beaches in Puglia Hmm. in particular. The most beautiful beaches I've seen in in all of Italy. I've I've not been to Sicily, so I, I can't speak to that. But to travel with a young child, Layla is six, and to be able to sightsee in the morning, Um, have lunch, and then spend the afternoon a couple hours on a beautiful beach, whether it's uh, near the hotel or apartment we were staying in or somewhere along the travels for the day to take a one- or two-hour break was really a wonderful way to travel in the summertime. Yes, that's true. I agree with you because in Puglia we have one of the most beautiful sandy beaches of all Italy. I mean, when you talk about sand beach, you talk about, uh, you know, Sardinia. But in Puglia we have a very similar, even better beaches. So, for example, if you go south of Puglia, in the province of Lecce, we have some area in the Salento Peninsula, uh, which are really untouched, off of the beaten path, absolutely. In the province of Taranto, also we have beautiful beaches, but also in Vieste. You know, when I think of beautiful beaches in the north, I'm thinking of a very densely populated part of Italy, and it's a traffic jam of fiats and teenagers and discos, and frankly, I want to stay away. But is it different in the south? The best thing you can do in the south, go to the nature reserve. We have several all around the south of Italy. I can mention several of them in Sicily. Vendicari nearby Syracuse, uh, Lozingaro uh, nearby Palermo. Often you are just by yourself, and it is such a fantastic experience. And you are in the clear water and seems to be in a tropical island. Wow, it sounds much better than the the Riviera up north. Uh, Tommaso? Absolutely, uh, I agree with that because we have a long extension, miles and miles of white beaches and dessert. I mean, you go you go there, you don't find you don't find people. You find just a few people in and there, but really it's not a very crowded the area. You can go in August, July and August, where elsewhere in Italy is packed, but not in the southern part. And the the quality of the water, I mean, we have every year inspection by, you know, the authorities. And they said that this water, this ocean is one of the cleanest we have in the Mediterranean. And we're talking Puglia mostly here. Puglia, Calabria and Sicilia, yes. Okay, all across southern Italy. Darlene, there's some good ideas for you and thanks for your feedback. Thanks so much. Right. Actually, Rick, if I say something about what Darlene said, uh, it is very interesting that she was able to communicate anyway, mm-hmm. even if she didn't 
manage the Italian language perfectly, but she knew a little. And also, she used a lot of hand gesture. Oh, yeah. You know, we people from the South, we are famous for communicating without saying a word. And we always do hand gesture. You're moving I, your I hands as able, you speak right now. I'll be able to talk with Tommaso for five minutes, talk, quote-unquote, <laughs> without saying a word. And we will understand each other so perfectly. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're traveling through the south of Italy with Alfio Di Moro and Tommaso Ponte. Paula's on the line in Seattle, Washington. Paula, thanks for your call. I just wanted to say be sure to go to Sicily. It's a wonderful place to travel. We went there in the middle of winter with no reservations, and we had a wonderful time. The Sicilians took very good care of us. Thank you. I've had the same experience. I think a lot of people have these, you know, old-fashioned movie images of Sicily, and you think you're going to have a lot of deadbolts on the door, and you're going to have to run for cover. And you go there, and you find the friendliest people in a lot of ways you'll meet anywhere in Europe. That's right. So, so travel to Sicily. Now, Paula, have you been to other parts of southern Italy, uh, not Sicily, but elsewhere in southern Italy, and what was your experience? Um, we were at the same time of year. We were also in Matera, and in Rio Calabria, uh, Reggio yeah, Calabria, Reggio Calabria. Um, and we got sent to Reggio Calabria by a man from Volterra to see the race warriors, and it was worth the trip. Bronzi di Riace. And what is that, Alfio? Those are two beautiful examples of classic Greek bronze statues that were found in 1972 nearby the town of Riace, in the province of Reggio Calabria, and they uh, built a museum museum around them in Reggio Calabria, the Museum of Greater Greece, of Magna Graecia. Uh, so it's interesting to me that they found these in a humble part of Italy, and they were not taken to Rome to put in the big museum, but they stayed in that town. They stayed in the town to try to improve tourism there. Ah. And actually it makes sense because Calabria, Puglia, Sicily, they were part of the greater Greece, so now they that's, stayed And you there. mentioned this word Magna Grecia. This is an important concept for travelers to know that 500 years before Christ, southern Italy was called Magna Grecia. Magna Grecia, yes, yes. Which is? which is the greater Greece. I mean, in that period of time, this area of Italy was at least much important than Greece itself. In fact, we have many colonies of Magna Grecia, Metaponto, the Sibarite, and many other places are located, many other archaeological places are located in this and area. And it's interesting for me that away from the conservative power center of Greece, like Athens, you'll have a little more liberty to make some more innovative architecture. And I think when you look at the Greek architecture in Taormina and in Agrigento and in Segesta, you find some of the best ancient Greek temples uh, that you'll find anywhere in the ancient Greek world. Yes, uh, not only best architecture, but also very well preserved. We can say that these temples are still like the Greek that left this temple 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because, you know, the state of preservation is excellent. I mean, uh, what can I say? Not only archaeology, but also architecture. Don't forget that in Calabria, in Calabria we have great Byzantine churches, Bivongi, all this area was Byzantine. And, and Baroque churches, And too. Baroque churches in Sicily. So, I mean, a great mixture. In Puglia. A great mixture of, you know, archaeology and architecture, which make of this area one of the most beautiful, absolutely, of the Mediterranean. Paula, in Seattle, you're getting us all excited about a trip back to southern Italy. Thanks for your call. Bye. Bye now. Ciao. Okay, let's travel on to Sicily now, because both you guys are from Sicily. We're going to cross the straits from southern Italy out to the island, Sicily. And when you think of Sicily, it's sort of a many-layered history. It's a fascinating, rich history. You get a, a whiff of Arabia. 
and you get a lot of uh, Norman conquest and so on. And of course, you've got the Italian flavor. Uh, tell me how that affects the culture today, this, this many invasions that you've had. Tommaso. This is very positive for us because uh, we have many, many monuments which are dating back to the different historical period. We have a Greek monument, Roman monuments, I mean, Arab architecture, Norman, uh, Spanish, and so on. I mean, that makes a rich culture. And what comes with a rich culture, Alfio, is a lot of complexity. And I, t- I find a lot of people that find Italy a little bit too challenging, and I think uh, don't go farther south because it gets more challenging. People who love the, the sort of uh, unpredictability and, and, and liveliness of Italy, I tell them to go farther south. And, and Sicily is really Italy in the extreme in that regard. It is. You know, what is it? If you go back to the Roman times and you pay attention about a Roman town, you see a, a very regular grid of... Um, a grid plan, a very logical floor plan. And yes, our, our and, you plan. know, this is very Roman, very logical. But then after the Romans, we had the Byzantine, but also the Arabs, okay? And this is where they brought that different way of thinking. The streets plan of an of a Arabic town is like a spilled plate of spaghetti. It's exactly. labyrinthine, yeah. Exactly. If you pay attention about the layout of an Arab town, it's completely different from a Greek or a Roman town. And that puts also in what is today Sicily, plus with a lot of years of Spanish domination, everything is now um, blended in a mix and is a wonderful example of organized chaos. This is how we call it. You know, we are so good at that that we are able to manage chaos, organize it, and live with it. So you celebrate chaos in Sicily. We do. We don't even know, but we do. Because if you go to another, let's say you go to Denmark, you might think boring. Everything's organized. Everything's efficient. Everything's clean. (laughs) And you know, we think that probably that that is boring for us. We get bored for that kind of very well-organized things. So we deal, we deal very well with the chaos. Even the traffic jam, this is a great way, you know, to get uh, out from the traffic jam. We don't follow the traffic lights. When it's red, we pass. When it's green, we stop. (laughs) I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking travel in southern Italy and Sicily, and we're talking creative lifestyles, I guess you could say. I think that in Italy, sort of a national pastime is trying to avoid paying your taxes. Yes, we have a high, very high tax evasion. Unfortunately, this is one of the main problems we have all over Italy, but in the southern part, it's much more evident, this problem. Unfortunately, the taxation system in Italy is very bad. You can imagine that if you earn more than, uh, uh, I mean, 95,000 euros, you pay the 63% of taxes on that. So if you make $140,000 a year, you pay 63% Percentage for the government. It's progressive. The less people pay taxes, the more they rise the percentage. If if half of the people are avoiding their taxes, everybody else is taxed double, and it becomes uh, part of the culture that you pay less taxes and everybody has higher tax rates. Mm -hmm. But it is very true. Uh, what you said. There is a, a kind of a regional sport or national sport in Italy trying not to obey the law. And that is a truly paradox. And this comes from the Roman heritage, the highest number of laws of any country in the world. But we have a say in, Italy, in Italian that is fatta la legge, trovato l'inganno. Okay, we have a new law, we have a new way to walk around the system. So there's a new law, there's a new way around it. Around yeah, and you that know, is more popular than soccer is. That, that's the national sport. <laughs> that's the national sport. I even saw it with a friend, uh, I was getting in his car and he had, uh, of course, the car will make a noise at you if you don't put on your seatbelt. So they have a very clever little high-tech gadget, a plug. You put this plug in your seatbelt and you don't have to wear it. Yes, that's true. 
This is I a, use this system. Or, <laughs> or as, as the Neapolitans uh, ended up doing, they were selling T-shirt, white T-shirt with a, with a, a diagonal yeah. uh, stripe yeah. uh, that was giving the, the impression that you were wearing your seatbelt. So from, from the distance, the police in a roadblock couldn't recognize. So the police seized the seatbelt going across your yeah, chest. And they have one for the driver, one for the passenger, going opposite way, of course. And <laughs> the police from far away will see, okay, they are fine. So Italian ingenuity. Say that one more time, a new law, a new way to get around it. And fatta la legge, trovato l'inganno. Ooh. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been exploring southern Italy and Sicily with Alfio Di Moro and Tommaso Ponte. Tommaso, Alfio, mille grazie. Amunini. Andiamo a visitare la stupenda isola di Sicilia. Wow. Andiamo. Let's go. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Rick Steves Italy is America's top-selling Italian guidebook. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guides for Rome, Venice, Florence, and Tuscany. To learn more about Rick's guidebooks for Italy and beyond, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.